good to have everybody. Why don't you open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be launching from this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come to you this morning, Father, for a good long drink, Father God, from your word. I pray, Father, that you'll fill us up with the power, the, the anointing of the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that as this word goes forth, it goes forth with a boldness and power, Lord, that ultimately gets inside of us and changes us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that I really am, as a pastor, going to begin to steer people towards something that I believe is oftentimes something left out of a Christian's activities, if you would. I think the hustle and bustle of our lives sometimes leaves us uh, in an almost anemic area because we we don't do some things that are so vitally important to the livelihood of each and every Christian. So I got a little story here. Uh, some things really change between former generations and the kids that are growing up today. Uh, a grandmother was keeping or babysitting her grandson, Dirk. Dirk followed her into the bedroom as she puts up some things, put some things away in her closet. He says, Grandma, what room is this? She said, this is a closet, Dirk. We don't have a room like this in our house, he said. Of course you do, she said. You have lots of closets in your home. When he again denied having closets in his house, she tried another track. Where do you keep all of your clothes, she asked. A true child of the times, he replied, in the dryer. <laughs> well, this morning, if you haven't already figured it out, I'm going to be talking about perhaps one of the most neglected rooms in your house. You all know that probably the hub or the heartbeat of our houses today are the kitchen. That's what everybody wants to have as a kitchen, and then probably behind that might be the living area or the family area, and then maybe behind that would be, uh, as far as most popular is concerned, the bedroom uh, where you sleep at. But uh, there's this little room called the closet, and I really believe that it is probably the, the least of all the rooms in our house, the poor old lonely closet. I mean, when was the last time you actually went in your closet and spent some time? If you're like me, I run in my closet, I grab off the hanger, whatever it is that I need to be grabbing off the hanger for that day, and that's pretty much the only time I spend in the closet. I rarely go into the closet and just stand there. I don't have a television in there, so there's no reason for me to be in there for very long, and I was... Our text is found in Matthew chapter 6. In a few weeks, we're going to be launching into a 21-day fast. I believe that it is imperative that our church comes together at the beginning of the year and spend some time fasting because I believe that this coming year in 2020, there are so many things that God is bringing to pass with us that that we spiritually need to bring these things to bear on this community. And I believe the only way you can do that is through prayer and fasting. And so uh, uh, in just a few weeks, I'm going to be saying, church, this is what we need to do. We need to be fasting for these 21 days. But this text this morning is found right in the middle of Jesus, uh, a Sermon on the Mount. And basically, he's giving us some direct directions as Christians. 
of what we ought to be doing, what we ought not to be doing. So Matthew chapter 6, and let's skip all the way to verse number 5. This is what Jesus said. He says, and when you pray, listen to that, and when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. So here's Jesus talking to his disciples, his followers, if you would, and he's basically saying, okay, guys, when you pray, because there are some things that are givens if you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, these are things that you ought to be found doing. And praying is one of them. Fasting, by the way, is another one. Giving is another one. Jesus has said, hey, this ought to be in the DNA of every Christian. You ought to be praying. You ought to be giving. You ought to be fasting. But right now he's saying, guys, you don't want to be praying like the like the uh, Pharisees and all of these people of these high religion. You don't need to be standing on a street corner and praying so that you'll be seen of men. So now all everybody's waiting. Okay, okay, we don't need to be praying like that. How do we need to pray, Jesus? So he says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, whenever you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, which is in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. So now Jesus has given these instructions, and he's saying, guys, don't stand on the street corner. Pray out loud for men to see you. He says, what you need to do is you need to close the door in your closet. Go in, close the door, and you need to pray to your Father secretly so that folks... All around you, they're not going to be hearing what you're praying. And he says, listen, whenever you pray secretly like that, your Father will reward you openly. In uh, early 2019, there was a tornado that went through um, Bolagard, Alabama. There were 23 people that lost their lives to this tornado. I think it, uh, it was uh, March the 26th, 2019. 23 people lost their lives, but... A praying grandmother, known affectionately as Mama Reese, sang she praised her way through the storm. We just prayed together and held each other, her daughter said. Chaplain Jason Smith wrote, I just left a family who survived a tornado in this house, and the only thing left standing was the prayer closet. He continued, it's this grandmother's prayer closet, and the whole family survived. And so here's a picture of this, this closet literally taken onto the AP wire and published all over the United States. Here was this closet was the only thing remaining of the whole house. It went viral. It made headlines. But it also emphasized the power of prayer. So here this woman gathers her family. Mama, uh, what was it? Mama Reese gathers her family into her prayer closet. And she prays and sings, and her family is spared. The only room left standing in the entire house was that prayer closet. But I think it was just a coincidence, don't you? No, I don't. So this morning, what is a prayer closet? The word closet here in the King James really is better interpreted or translated as perhaps a bedroom, some type of inner room that you can go to that you can shut yourself in. And, and let me just make sure you all understand this. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to go into a closet somewhere in your house because this is what I know about some closets and houses. You couldn't get a wiener dog in your closet because it's so full of stuff. 
I've used a lot of things over the years as a prayer closet. It's just a place where you can go and you can get alone with God and you can pray. There's so many things that distract us now. I challenge you, wherever it is that you find to have your prayer closet, leave your phone somewhere else. Thank you for that. I've had a prayer closet whenever I first moved to Montana. I really didn't have a prayer closet there. And so I just made my pickup truck my prayer closet. I used to go out over the over the county dump. That was a real wonderful place to pray. But there was a hill that overlooked the community. And I would just go out there and I would sit. And if it was cold, I'd run the engine. And it was cold most of the time. So I wasted a lot of gas up there. But I prayed in my truck. That was where my prayer closet was. There have been people over the years that have shared with me all different kinds of ways that they found a prayer closet. Some people literally go into their prayer closet and pray. I heard a story not many years ago of a man that all of his life served the Lord in prayer. One, He was literally a prayer engine in his local church. And whenever he passed away and his family began to look through his house, one of the things that they found was that in his closet, there was a place where he knelt every day, multiple times a day, and prayed. And they said that literally the carpet underneath, the uh, on the floor underneath where his knees were, were worn completely out. So it's, it's just a place. It's not necessarily even a room in your house, but it's a place where you can go in and you can, you can shut yourself in with God. You go in and you shut yourself in with God because you want to seek Him. You want to call on Him. You want to have an intimate time with God. And so this morning, so we know that a prayer closet can be all of these various things, but this morning, why is it? Why is it important that you and I have a prayer closet? The Gospel of Luke has been called the Gospel of Prayer. The gospel of prayer. Luke was one that recognized prayer more often than all the other gospels combined. So why? The other gospels said all kinds of things, but this is what you find in Luke. Whenever Jesus was in the Jordan, when the Spirit descended on him like a dove, you can find that in other gospels. But this is what Luke says. It was while he was praying that the Spirit descended upon him. The gospel says Jesus chose 12 disciples. You can find that in the other gospels. But Luke says this. It says it was after he spent a night in prayer that he went out and he chose his disciples. Other Gospels say that Jesus died on the cross. Luke says that while he was dying, Jesus was praying for his enemies. Other Gospels say that Jesus went on a a mount and he was transfigured. Luke says it was while he was praying that he was transfigured. Folks, this morning, you know, one of the things, husbands, I can tell you more than anything that your wives are probably praying for you, probably have been praying for you for a long time, is that change would take place in your life. Maybe that you would pick your socks up every once in a while and just find your way into the laundry room, into the laundry room instead of uh, throwing them in the bedroom floor. Maybe your wife has been praying for you to be changed, but I got to tell you, even more so, I believe that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, is praying that all of us can be transfigured. All of us can be changed into something other than we are today. And this is what I would tell you. There is nothing more transforming than prayer. Nothing. You know that face cream that you can buy and you can put it all over your face? Slather that stuff on with a big old putty knife or a roller that you use to paint the wall with. And after you get through, you look 10 years younger. I won't have that in my house. You know why? I think it's dangerous. 
What if I dripped one of a drop on one of my grandkids? It's only like three. You'll get it in a minute. You see, there's no face creams out there that can transform you like God can transform you because he transforms the inside of you. He transforms the inside of you. Nothing is more transforming than prayer. Prayer doesn't always uh, prayer doesn't always change God, but it always changes us. It changes our view of who God is. In chapter 6 of Isaiah, uh, he was praying and he saw this vision of God that literally altered his life. God, whenever we pray, prayer changes our view of God. Folks, i got to be very honest with you. I think every day that I live that my view of God is always too narrow. There's sometimes whenever I think, man, I know you can do it, God. I know you can do it. And I'm asking him to do this little bitty thing. And all of a sudden, it re- I realize that this is the God of the universe. This is the God who spoke and everything that was created was created. He's God. He is forevermore the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the high and mighty God that sets on a throne over all the universe. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a big God. And He is able to do anything. And prayer changes our whole vision of who He is. So Isaiah was changed. But Paul was also changed. Paul was praying whenever he caught, was caught up to the third heaven and he saw what he described as unspeakable things and his life was literally changed. The apostle John on the Isle of Patmos in, in, uh, 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 in, he heard a voice saying to him, come up here. And whenever he came up to this heavenly place in a vision, God literally gave him the entire book of Revelation. And I tell you, if you haven't read the book of Revelation, it's kind of freaky. And God gave it all to John. He showed him what was going to happen at the end time. I'm telling you, whenever you and I get into our prayer closet and we begin to pray, whenever we begin to say, God, I want to be intimate with you. I want to seek you. I want to call on your name. I will tell you that prayer closet will change you. And this is what I'm going to say. Please don't take offense to this, but every one of you in this room, needs to change so what does a prayer closet do well it changes our whole perspective on god but i believe this as well i believe it changes our circumstance you ever got a letter from the irs how many of you all welcome those letters they said dear mr and mrs watson you have shortchanged the irs and you didn't mail us enough tax And I said, oh, yay. We got one of those letters one time. And it kind of stunk. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, how in the world? Now, now you need to understand, we didn't cheat the IRS. We just made a mistake. Okay, y'all there? (laughs) We just made a mistake, honest mistake. But they caught it. Mel us this letter. And they were asking for more money than we had. We just didn't have that kind of money. We just, we could not pay this bill. We just couldn't do it. I think we got the letter on a, like a Wednesday or Thursday of one week. And so we had a few days to kind of mull this over. And I'm thinking to myself, well, about the only way out of this that I know of is we're going to have to go down. We're going to have to get a loan to pay this crazy IRS tax bill off, so on and so forth. And uh, in that day and time, um, uh, it was a lot of money. I mean, today I could pretty much take my sock off and find that. Money. I'm just joking. 
It was a lot of money. My wife and I couldn't afford it. And I just said, well, if we don't borrow it, I think we just ought to ask the Lord to help us. And so we prayed. Her prayers to God, my prayers to God. I can remember just going to God and just saying, God, I don't have this, but I'll tell you one thing, God, we have been faithful to you. I know that whenever you've asked us to give, we have given. And so we just put this in your hands. And this was in a prayer closet, folks. I'm telling you, it changes your circumstance. And for about the next three or four days, my wife and I, that's what we brought into our prayer closet. Amongst a whole lot of other things, we prayed, God, you need to meet this need. And I'm just going to tell you, one day I left for lunch, went home, I ate, I came back, and somebody had put an envelope in my box. And now you need to understand this. There was no other human on earth except for the IRS that knew Renee and I had a need for some tax money. Are you all there with me? I hadn't shared it with any of my coworkers. I hadn't shared it with anybody. This is just me and my wife. And I come back from lunch, and here's this envelope. I open it up, and it is a cashier's check, and it was for the exact amount of our taxes. Now, go figure that one out. And this morning, I could stand here for a long time, and I could give you time after time after time after time that God has changed circumstances in my life through a prayer closet. He changes circumstances. I can tell you that probably 90% of the miracles that God has done for me, those miracles have originated in the prayer closet on my knees before God. It not only changes our circumstances, but it also changes our view of ourselves. This is why I would tell you, I believe there are too many Christians out there that has low God esteem. Because this is what I know. We are prone to mess up. Is anybody besides me like that? It's sad that Richard had to go back to uh, uh, Florida because me and Richard, we, we really identify with one another because I think his mom whipped him almost as many times as my mom whipped me. I was always in trouble. I was always doing something wrong. I was always being punished for it. And and I got to tell you, coming up, coming into the Lord, there was always this mindset in me. Whenever I mess up, God doesn't even like me anymore. He doesn't want me anymore. There's nothing He can do for me because I've messed up. But I will tell you this. We are the apple of God's eye. Are you listening to this? We are His chosen people. We are special to Him. I look at my own kids and I know how precious they are to me. I look at my grandkids and I know how precious they are to me. And I can tell you this. God favors us even more than we favor our own children. He loves us. But yet there's this idea that's floated by the enemy of our soul into our minds day in and day out. Because we don't do this and we don't do this. And because we did do this, God is not happy with us. But I will tell you, God will change the way you look at yourself through the prayer closet. And now let me just tell you how he does it to me most often. I'm just going to confess this. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I don't want you all be leaving here going. And I don't want any of y'all coming up to me after the church and saying, come here, let me just give you a big hug. But there are times in my life where that's exactly what I need. I just need somebody to love on me. I mean it. A few weeks ago, right here in this sanctuary, I just knelt down and I just said, God, I'm frustrated. I 
got all this stuff here and I got all this stuff here and I'm just frustrated. And God, I said, I just don't know really what to do. And you know what he did? He did not answer any of the prayers I've been praying. He just literally came to the pew where I was knelt down at and I felt his arms wrap around my life. And all I could do was just to weep. That's all I could do was just weep. I just felt this, this presence in my life. And I just felt this, this, this love emanating from the God of this universe to my life. And I just, I just felt like, man, this is awesome. But it could not have happened if I had not given myself to that prayer closet. I've been there so many times where that's all I've needed from God was just a hug. You see, that's the way I got born again. I was sitting on the back pew of a church and God literally just came in and he didn't convict me of my sins. He didn't tell me how bad I was. He didn't tell me I was going to hell. He just wrapped his arms around me. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was loved. And that's what brought me to the altar. I didn't, I didn't have a sermon preached and an altar call given. I just got up and came. I think everybody was shocked. You see, it'll, it'll change the view of ourselves. Folks, we need to see ourselves like God sees us. Man, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I'm okay in His life. I can walk into the throne room of God boldly. I'm going to tell you something. He don't let everybody into the throne room. But me being his kid, I can walk in, man. My kids, even to this day, come to my house and look in my refrigerator and see what they can eat. They do. They have their own fridges. They got their own food. But they come to my house and they act like my stuff is their stuff. Can I just make sure you all know this? I wouldn't have it any other way. That's the way we ought to view God. We ought to act like whenever we come before Him, He is glad to see us. There's never been a time where my grandkids have come over to my house and I go, oh, crud, they're here again. I was out blowing leaves last week. I was just blowing, having a... I'm telling you, I just live for leaf blowing season. I'm just blowing these leaves. That was a joke. Okay. And they drove up, and I'm telling you, it wasn't 15 seconds, and I was ready to go in the house and quit blowing leaves, my favorite job. It changes the way we view ourselves. It changes the way we view others. There's folks around us, folks, that they ain't living for Jesus. They're lost in their trespasses and sin. Whenever we get into a prayer closet, God will begin to change the way we look at other people. We'll begin to realize the people that are around us need Jesus. How many of you have ever woken up from sleep at night and instead of feeling refreshed, you felt like you'd been drugged behind a Ford pickup all night long? Okay, three people can identify with that. So, uh, folks, I want, uh, you know, life just, it just squeezes you, you know? It just, 
it just squeezes you and it just keeps squeezing. And the demands that are placed on us in the day and time we live in, it, they just squeeze and they just squeeze and they just squeeze. And sometimes you just get so worn down and sometimes you just get so uh, bogged down. But I will tell you this, nothing is as refreshing as prayer. Man, I tell you, I've gone into the prayer closet before and I've been so completely worn out and I come out of the prayer closet and I feel like I can run through a troop and jump over a wall. That's biblical, by the way. Seriously. I mean, I'm just like, and I don't drink coffee or anything like that. So it wasn't caffeinated stuff making me. It was it was the spirit of God touching my life. This is what I'll tell you. Don't have a concert and tune your instruments afterward. You know what that means? Begin your day in prayer. And you go, I am not a morning person. I'm not. I'm not. I'll never be a morning person. I will tell you, I'm not a morning person either. Even though this morning I think I got up about 3 o'clock. I'm not a morning person. I'll tell you where I'm at. I really hit my stride about 12.15 to about 12.45. I'm on. Those 30 minutes right there, babe, I'm functioning. I'm hitting on all cylinders. After that, no. You go, uh, if you're not a morning person, and I'm not a night person. Folks, this is what I will tell you. You can be a morning person if you choose to be. No, I can't. I can't. Okay, let's play this scenario out. Let's say your boss came and said to you, I'll give you $1,000 a day to arrive here at 3 o'clock in the morning and stay till 10. Yeah, baby. (laughs) You would become a morning person because there is an incentive for you being a morning person. Yes? Some of you are going, no, never, never. We're just not a morning person because we don't choose to be a morning person. We choose to stay up late. And let me tell you something. If you stay up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I understand why you're not a morning person. Enough said. Don't have a concert and then tune your instruments afterwards. I believe that it is imperative that we begin our day by spending time in our prayer closet. And that doesn't have to be an hour or two hours or, you know, it can be 15 minutes. It can be five minutes. But this is what I would tell you. There will come a time whenever you go into the prayer closet and let's say you've just assigned yourself five minutes. But whenever you go in that five minutes, you're going to start getting a taste of something that's in that prayer closet that you want to go back and say, listen, I want to spend 10 minutes today because it was good yesterday. And then you'll be going next week saying, say, I've been spending 10 minutes, but I'd really like to give it 15. Are you all there with me? Some folks absolutely know what I'm talking about here. I believe that that we ought to begin our day with prayer. One of the things prayer closet does, I believe, is it brings peace to us. The song says it like this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. See, I think the busyness sometimes is one of the major hindrances to the righteous living that God has called us to. We have so many demands that are placed on us these days. 
that we often take care of the expedient rather than the needy. You know that old adage, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Amen? Let me just tell you something. God is never going to be the squeaky wheel. He's, he's, never going to be, he's never going to be making so much racket that you cannot resist going into the prayer closet. He's going to be quiet. Because, folks, us praying is not for Him. It's for us. We've become, become professional at juggling our schedules and arranging our schedules. But we need to be someone that is insistent upon saying, I will have a time of prayer. I will begin my day. Early in the morning will I rise up and meet you. Jared, if you'll come this morning and help me close this. Nothing alters the present and the future like prayer. Nothing does. My life was completely altered because someone prayed for me. I look at my life and I think, my goodness, where would I have ended up if I had not got born again? Does anybody besides me ever play that scenario out? All you have to do is go home and be with your relatives for a little while and you'll figure out where it is your life was headed. Nothing alters the present and the future like prayer. The Bible is filled with examples of when men and women prayed, God changed things. Peter was in prison and literally the hierarchy in that day was talking about executing him. But Peter, through prayer, was set free from that prison. Daniel's prayer. Daniel's prayers prevailed for the captives of the Jews. Abraham prayed for Lot and Sodom. Samuel prayed for the Israelites whenever they were when, when invaded. So there's all of these stories in the Bible, one after the other, after the other, after the other, whenever people prayed. But there's also, there's also examples of whenever people like us prayed. George Mueller's orphanage in Ashley Downs, England. It was time for breakfast one morning. Hundreds of orphans in this. And, and there was no food for them to eat. The cupboards were completely bare. So Mueller, George Mueller, took the hand of a small girl and said, Come and see what our father is going to do. So in the dining room, there were these long tables. They were set. There were empty plates, empty mugs. Not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there wasn't any money in the account for the orphanage. So Mueller prayed. George Mueller prayed. And let me just tell you something. George Mueller didn't pray this long, exhaustive prayer. Because his prayers have been written down many times. And George Mueller was a man of very, very few words whenever he asked God to do something. But George Mueller prayed. Immediately. The story is told immediately. So George Mueller prayed. Here's all these kids sitting, lined up on these tables. They have empty plates. They have empty mugs. George Mueller prayed. Immediately, the orphanage had a knock at the door. Whenever they opened it, there stood a local baker. He said, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you had no bread for breakfast. So I got up at 2 o'clock this morning and I baked fresh bread. Here it is. So Mueller thanked him and he gave praise to God. Soon a second knock was heard on the door. It was the milkman. 
his cart had broken down in front of the orphanage and he said he'd like to give the children milk so that he could empty the cart so it would be repaired. See, Jesus, he says, guys, if you will go into your prayer closet and you will pray, you'll do that in secret. He said, I will reward you openly. There are rewards for prayers prayed secretly to God. The power of prayer, the power of a prayer closet over confusion in your life or disorder in your life, in your family, your job. See, I believe that whenever I pray in my prayer closet, that God guards my family. I believe that. I say, God, set a hedge of protection around my kids and around my grandkids. God, I want their lives protected. One of the things that I've been including in these last few months is I've been asking God to protect the minds of all of our young people that come to youth on Wednesday night. God would guard their minds because I'm telling you, man, the society that we live in right now are opening up their brains and they are pouring stuff in by the bucket load and it is bad stuff. See, I believe that these prayer closets are absolutely essential things for every Christian to have. The Bible tells us in Psalm 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I call that protection. I don't ever want to be too busy to leave the presence of the Lord behind. I want to have a time with Him every single day. I think that it's time for all of us to begin waiting on God to refill us and refresh us, to endue us with His power, to develop a daily habit of going into our prayer closets and seeking God. I ride my lawnmower every once in a while, and I I pray while I'm riding my lawnmower. It's kind of a mindless job. You just steer it around and try not to roll it on top of yourself like I did one time, but we've quit that. I gave it up for Lent. That's a joke. See, we can have a prayer closet anywhere we choose to have a prayer closet. It's that time that we get alone with God, that habit. So this morning, my question comes to all of us in this room. When was the last time that you were found in the closet?